Welcome back, everyone. My name is Nick Lundberg, and this is the Sports Roundtable, your end-of-the-week sports update on all things Michigan State. We're live here from Impact, and I'm back with Carter Fry, a sports contributor. How are we doing today, Carter? Doing well, Nick. Thanks for having me back. Yep, always good to have you back. And obviously, we were talking about this on the way here, Michigan State basketball has been, we're going to talk about this later, but that's on the way, so don't 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 worry about it. We, we got you covered with that. But we want to start off with another team that's doing really well so far, especially this year's women's soccer. <clears throat> they beat Milwaukee in a crazy first-round game of the NCAA tournament and their first-ever home game of the NCAA tournament, might I add. Um, three to two in extra time against Milwaukee, the Horizon League winner. Um, Evans, Cameron Evans scored the game winner. The Gainer sisters both had a goal apiece. Um, and by the time this podcast is posted, I'm not sure exactly when, if this final score for their next game against five-seeded TCU um, in the second round will be posted. But if they do end up going to win that, they will play the winner of number one Notre Dame and number eight Santa Clara. But Carter, I just wanted to say um, this women's soccer team has been, you know, we've talked about this on a couple podcasts beforehand, but this women's soccer team, every time we talk about it, seems to be, you know, continuing to um, just break down barriers for their expectations. And I mean... It's just really exciting to have this kind of a team have having this kind of the season and you know keeping it going through postseason play. Yeah, it's it's astonishing to think that Hostler is only a second year coach, and you know you, you watch him in the press conferences and post game interviews, and you know it seems like he is really building a winning culture here at MSU, and it's evident by where you know they're making it so far in the tournament. They're obviously gonna play TCU tomorrow. But their game against Milwaukee, the Gainer sisters got it going, both of them chipping in a goal and uh, getting it done against Milwaukee in extra time. So being able to, you know, overcome that adversity that, you know, the Milwaukee game, I think a lot of people just expected a win coming in. But because they played them so tough, being able to overcome that adversity, I think that's going to help them in their game against TCU. Yeah, I mean, Hostler, like I've been following the team, I'm for the state news, I've been, you know, at their games and stuff. I went to Columbus for the Big Ten tournament. And listening to Hostler talk about how he always seems to mention whenever you talk to him about how this is kind of the first time for this team because it's such a young team and obviously, like, they didn't make it last year and then the years before that, um, they were kind of in a down, you know, their record would not allow them to do or to be where they are right now. Um, But he always seems to mention that these games are kind of firsts for his teams. And you saw that kind of in the Big Ten Championship against Penn State when they lost 3-2. to two. Um, And they always seem to hang around in these kinds of games, but it seems like the difference between sort of like a good team and a great team, and this is why I think this team is a great team, is that they figure out how to win these games. Um, in these past few tournament games, like they go down early to Minnesota, um, they have a tough test against Nebraska. They they pull through. They pulled through against Minnesota. They didn't pull through against Penn State, but then they le- kind of learned from that. And obviously, like you go up, you're up two to one in the final minute, and then they score to tie it and move it into extras. And you know, a decent team or a not not a great team would see that as kind of like a momentum. Their momentum would be shot from there, and Milwaukee would kind of just take over. But this team is like they know how to win. And it seems like Hostler has really instilled that in his players. And that's how I see them, you know, coming out with that win against Milwaukee in extra time. And then they're going to need to have more of those performances against as their competition continues to get better, especially if they end up facing 
a number one seed in Notre Dame. Um, but they have gone through, they ran through the gauntlet, the Big Ten schedule, which is a gauntlet. And obviously Penn State was their only loss throughout Big Ten play. And Penn State is no joke either. So it's promising to see what they've done so far, but you just got to, you just got to keep it going. But I do like where, or what the fight I see from this team whenever they face a little bit of adversity. Do you have a prediction for the TCU game? Prediction right now, I think they come away with it because they have faced better opponents in Big Ten play. But if the only way I see them losing is that if, because TCU compared to some of the other teams they've played besides Penn State these past couple weeks, if they allow TCU to get going early and they don't, fight back. TCU is good enough to fight off the Spartans from where they can allow themselves to get back in the game. So I feel like in order to win this one, they're going to have to match how TCU starts or just start out better than them and then be able to just run through them from there. Because like you said, if you give TCU too much momentum, they're a good enough team to where they can allow you to not come back into the game. So I think that it's either we got to start off quick and win, or if we don't and we don't match them, even though they have shown to be mat- they have shown this season that they can match when they're down against good teams, I still think that tournament play is a little different. Um, so honestly, I think that it'll either be like a two-one in favor of MSU or like just like a three-one in favor of TCU. So we'll see. I'm very interested to see what happens, but that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Yeah, and they're playing in South Bend, and if they somehow or if they go on to win this game then they could have the chance to play against Notre Dame in the game after that so if you know obviously that's you know take it one game at a time and that's you know a little far ahead but um yeah just looking ahead there are tougher tests ahead so this women's soccer team definitely has um proven a lot this season and will I assume will continue to get better as Hostler Hostler's reign continues exactly um but moving on to the volleyball team they you know, we're not doing so well for a while. Uh, they lost to Illinois uh, zero to three last week, and but then they finally beat Northwestern to end. You know that I, I believe it was a ten-game losing streak at that point. Um, but they swept Northwestern. They're now eleven and sixteen on the season, two and fourteen in conference play, which isn't a good look. But when you consider, when all things considered, in which we'll discuss that in a second, um, it's not ter- not a terrible thing. But they'll play at Illinois tonight at eight p.m. And going back to that conference play record, um, we've talked about this earlier with this team. All things considered, you've got a new coach, new coaching staff, a ton of new players, a ton of new young players. Um, and you go in, you start the season very hot against you know winnable teams, which is a good sign because obviously as a young team, you want to be you want to be able to show that you can beat teams that you know that you're better than just in general. But then you start to play Big Ten play, and then you've got. I believe at one point they faced like seven straight ranked teams, and most of those games were on the road. And that's a killer for any team, especially a young team with maybe not the players that Leah Johnson has envisioned for them later in the future to be in right now. Um, So just to be able to kind of scrap out a win in these last few games, I talked about this last week with um, our friend Mel as well when she was on, but... um, I talked about this, like, they're going to have to, you know, win some of these later games of the regular season because none of these teams are ranked and there's some home games mixed in there. So obviously you don't, they have a chance to get some Illinois revenge tonight, but beating Northwestern's a good sign and you just got to, for next year's sake, maybe not even for the end of this season's sake, but for next year's sake, just to get some momentum going into next year, you want to 
get some of these wins out of these easier games compared to, you know, all those ranked teams you played early in the season. Yeah, and hopefully they can get that revenge game against Illinois. They uh, kept each set last time to within three points. They only they didn't lose by more than three points last time. So hopefully they can get that. And I was looking. Earlier this year there was a month stretch where they played eight ranked games <sighs> in a month, which for any team, you know, no matter how good you are, that's that's a tough stretch. So I think – that might have hindered their confidence a little bit. But like you said, building that confidence at the start against the teams you can win is good, and I think uh, the remaining four games of the year are also winnable games. Not Like you said, no one's ranked, and um, you know, build, keep building that confidence to uh, finish the season I think is important. Yep, and um, moving on to a team that I've been mentioning a couple times these past couple weeks is they've been you know doing some notable things is the cross-country team we wanted to show them a little bit of love. Uh, the women are headed <clears throat> after winning the Big Ten, I believe. We talk, I talked about that like last week, but um, they won the Big Ten, and then the women's side are altogether are headed to the NCAA Cross Country Championships, and then the men got two individual bids um, with Carly Steinfeld and Aiden Smith. So just wanted to give a little shout out to them. I, it's always nice to see, you know, kind of those lower, not lower tier, but you know, p- teams that get less attention than the other teams um, do these big things. So you just always. It's good to shout out these guys, and I'm glad they're you know making some waves throughout the country. For sure. Um, but moving on to hockey, a lot of excitement is going around them, um, as rightfully so, as they swept their weekend series with then number 10, the Ohio State Buckeyes, for their fourth straight win in the season. Um, they moved into the, after knocking on the door of their rankings last, last week, they moved into the top 20, they're now ranked 17th. They'll play Penn State on the road tonight, which is that series is going to be very tough, um, starting at 7 p.m. after Penn State beat Michigan earlier this season. Um, and then Nico Mueller, after a big weekend, he had two goals and two assists um, in both games, earned a Big Ten first star, which is good to see. And I just wanted to say, like, I feel like this team – um, is defying any expectations they had coming into the season, getting off to such a hot start. And it seems like it's not just one guy on this team. It's everyone from the th- the three freshmen like Tanner Kelly and Carson Dortworth that see big minutes to Miroslav Muka coming in. Um, Eric Mittendorf had four goals in a game uh, against Wisconsin last week. Uh, Nico Mueller having a big big weekend this weekend. So, I mean, I feel like every time this team kind of steps into a bigger game and a bigger role, someone else steps up and shows up for this team. And it's just, I think that's just a sign of, like, good coaching, just to be able to develop guys throughout your roster to be able to step up when maybe someone else isn't, you know, doing as well as they should be. No, Nightingale's reminding me very much of Hostler right now, just the way he comes in here. You know, they're not, you know... Obviously, they're ranked – what are they now? They are 17th. 17th. So being ranked, obviously, is a huge step in the right direction and is something that I don't think anyone expected this year. And they haven't been, like, ex- exceptionally good, like a top team in the country. But a year or two from now, I think Nightingale's got this program going in the right direction. Yeah, because we've – when we talk about hockey, we talked about this, like, in our past couple podcasts together. The recruiting has been – you know, very, very uh, just solid to start off Nightingale's, you know, tenure. But we knew that 
it was going to be like that coming in from given his pedigree and where he's been before with the United States development team. Um, so he's coached the best of the best amateur players, and to see some of those guys kind of follow him, and now these guys who committed and the ones who are already looking at MSU can see what he's done in just one year with players that he honestly didn't really have anything like he didn't bring them in. These aren't really aren't his guys, but to a good sign of a good coach is to be able to take any group of players that you're there, no matter how talented they are, and make them cohesive. And that's exactly what he's done with this team. Um, so it's going to be very exciting to see like how the rest of the season turns out. Honestly, I don't think they're at the level of some of these big top Big Ten guys, which, I mean, realistically, it's that's how it just is because you've got Minnesota, who's, I believe, number one in the country. Mi- Michigan's always in the top five there. I think they're top three right now. Penn State's in the top ten. So, I mean, some of these guys are just – some of these teams are just – Two, I feel like they're on another level right now that Nightingale could honestly one day reach, maybe not with this team or this group. I mean, it's still a young season, so we'll see like what happens going forward. But if he starts to get his guys in there and you know developing the way he's developed some of these other players that aren't even his, it's going to be exciting. I, I, I have high hopes for Nightingale in, in this team. All I know is that that four one one conference record is looking real nice to some recruits right now. Yeah, exactly. So this is this is the time where you kind of pounce on some of those recruits. He's like, "Hey, we're winning. We're big things are going on." So, but come, I, come but join I will, us. But I will say, just to look at the future, three of our next four series are Penn State, Minnesota, and Michigan. <sighs> the three teams you just mentioned. Yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna learn we're gonna learn what this team has over these next couple weeks. So I'm excited to see the kind of fight they bring to to these big dogs, but and it's, it's that time to talk about basketball. You got, oh, it's got here the, we go. Got the whole campus jumping right now. But first I want to talk about the women's team. They obviously haven't – they don't have, like, the gauntlet of a non-conference schedule that that the men's team has. But, you know, they've been doing their thing. They've been winning uh, big against multiple teams. They just beat Oakland last night by, I believe, it was like 40 points. Um, they've been running through Delaware State – Purdue, Fort Wayne, those kinds of teams, which is good to see. And, I mean, after slow starts, Dee Dee Hageman and Matilda Eck are starting to pick up a little bit stats-wise. Matilda just had a 20-point game. Dee Dee had um, 19 and 4 assists. Uh, Kamari McDaniel and Gabby Alley, the transfers, have been doing doing good so far. Tyra Parks got her career high earlier this year. Um, so it's just good to see. They haven't had really a big test yet this season, but it's good to see the team, the women's side, just getting things done and, you know, winning these easy games. And by 30-plus points every time, too. So winning the games that they need to, not letting them hang around or anything. With the, with the men's, you know, they started their first two games off really slow. Like, Grand Valley was, was rough. Was, I think, a single, probably close to a 10-point game at halftime. Yeah, we were down so, five at halftime, d- I remember. Down five. Okay, down five at halftime. I'm sorry. But... Yeah, they're getting the wins that they need to. They still have, you know, a bulk of non-conference games coming up before the actual, you know, the season starts. But so far, I'm, you know, they're missing a few pieces from last year, but I've been really impressed with what I've seen so far. Yeah, they're the big test coming up um, in a couple weeks is number eight, Iowa State. Um, so they'll, I believe they're on the road for that one. So they'll, that's, that's going to be their, you know, first real test. So that's going to kind of be my marker of where, I believe this team will be at, but compared to last year, the depth is just so much more noticeable. Like, I mean, you've got players like 
Theron Halleck this year that just step in and she's one that's very I'm very been very impressed with as a backup point guard for a freshman just coming and she's one of those really feisty guards that just loves to get in the opponent's faces yep. and she causes many turnovers um, she's very quick very smart and I feel like she's going to be very good for a long time but you've got guys like Tori Osmond and Julie Arald who were out for all of last season off the bench and they were supposed to be last year coming in going to be one two of your leaders of the team last year and obviously like we're missing Nia Cloudon, which is a big loss. But you've got you've got everyone. Everyone's is better this year down the board, and you've got more depth to back up the players who have improved from last year. So it's I'm interested to see what this team's ceiling is. I think they can you know do some big some good things in the Big Ten. I'm not sure if their ceiling is a championship in the Big Ten, um, but that'll only you know that'll come with time. But there are some good pieces to work with and. I do think they'll make the tournament unlike last like last year they didn't they just missed it but I think this year they'll you know be in the NCAA tournament and I mean that's we're obviously talking really far away so who knows what can happen in between now and a couple months from now but right now I do like what I'm seeing from this team and I'm just kind of waiting till they see a real you know a real real opponent just to kind of give myself a marker of where they're at yeah, it's definitely evident that Susie Merchant did well on the player development side of things this offseason. And because um, the starters are playing, I think, better than last year. And some of the people that weren't getting minutes last year are stepping up and filling in that depth, that depth role that was missing with a lot of the people leaving. So this could be an exciting season for MSU women's basketball. We'll have to wait and see. It could. But we're going to talk about the men's team, it's which. Time. Yep. And. I mean, we we saw the game against Gonzaga earlier last week, and that really kind of got my hopes up for all of this that's you know happening right now. Um, they played him really tough. Madi like had a had his first breakout game. Um, I was I'm gonna be honest, I was very very skeptical of him coming into this year, but we've we've learned to never doubt Izzo, never doubt Izzo. But in that game, they were up double digits at one point. They stalled at the end, and it was just kind of those. One of those games where you're like, you can take out of it that we played really well, but we didn't get the win, which when we could have, which was upsetting. But, and then the next game you come out against, honestly, I think Kentucky's better than Gonzaga. They have, I, I feel like they have better players, but you come out against number four ranked Kentucky after losing barely to number two Gonzaga and on another, you know, um, neutral court game. And, you answer every punch Kentucky throws. You just continue to just go at them. And then Madi outlasts Oscar Shibway, the National Player of the Year, in foul trouble, which is something I would never have imagined to say before coming into this game. And you just find a way to just outlast a very good opponent in Kentucky. It's just I, I can't say enough about Izzo's team's performance and just everything about it from the play calling to the players' performances to everything. It was beautiful. Yeah, and it, that whole Madi fouling out thing, I think that's so funny because they missed. I don't know if you remember, he, uh, Boy elbowed yeah. Madi in the face. They missed it. They reviewed it afterward, didn't call anything. And then Madi got a foul on the on an and one on the same play. So had that happened, we Ochiboy might have been out of there even sooner, and Madi might have not been in so much foul trouble. But he still did it, even though it was obvious Kentucky was trying to go at him to make him draw that fifth foul. Yeah. Because the second he was – if he fouled out of that game and Jackson Kohler had to be the five the whole time, 
It's he, he Okay, ja- no disrespect to Jackson Kohler, though, because he played great minutes last night. He got did. A, got a loose ball, got down on the floor, played awesome. Izzo was hyped up after that. Um, but playing him at the five for an extended period of time against the reigning college basketball player of the year probably wouldn't have gone so well in the late <laughs> game. Yeah. So it, it was definitely important that Madi got through two OT and finish the game for us because that was huge in contributing to the win. Yeah, and then I've talked about this in earlier podcasts, but Joey Hauser finally seems to be confident, and they Izzo, it seems like, finally has figured out his role on the team. It kind of started, in my opinion, with that Davidson game last year when he just, you put him running off screens, you know, on the perimeter, and he gets open and, like, sets his feet. It's He's not missing. And that's exactly what he did last night. He would just run off screens, and he would find himself open and just hit hit shots. And that's like what you need out, out of him. You can't. He's not a guy you put down low and expect to make you know make moves in the post or take you off the dribble. He's perfect at just running off screens, like well set screens, like Malik and Madi were doing with those pin downs, and just getting him open and letting him shoot threes and you know pull up jumpers. And it was working. He had tw- over twenty points. He was looking confident. And then on the other hand of that, you got Malik Hall deciding, and it's he's one of those guys that feels like he can fade away in big games. Like we've seen that from him last year, but this year, at least in this Kentucky game, um, he went at it. Like he had um, just he tied the game twice. He yeah, had two dunks exactly that, t- that tied the game. At, that yeah, that, the, fir- the first OT and the and a regulation. Yeah, that double OT play or that OT play to send it to double overtime was just that ball fake was just absolutely beautiful, but we can just the whole play was just gorgeous. And I wanted to shout out Don Borovich, the new recruiting coordinator I saw on Twitter that he was a big part of installing that play call, so that that was just it was it was just all around a beautiful design play. Um but it seems like Malik this game whenever like the momentum wasn't exactly with us. He kind of just took it upon himself to just get a bucket and get this team back in it. And that's something I want to see out of Malik this year um, consistently as a leader of this team. Like We know that he can assert himself in these big games and make these big plays, but sometimes he doesn't always do that. So it's just it was very, very nice to see uh, Malik step up, and I think he had like over 15 points, and... Um, he was just doing stuff every now and then. They're like, okay, this is what we need out of him. It was it was great to see. Now, I will say, I think M- MSU fans, we're on top of the world right now. Yeah. And obviously our expectations are soaring way higher than we thought they could, especially after that opening Grand Valley game. Exactly. And even the Northern Arizona game wasn't very, like I wasn't sold that yeah. they would be like good. And I think some people were even you know worried about not making the tournament this year, but I think all that's out the window. This team is definitely going to go through its ups and downs, yep. though, and this is a high point. There's going to be low points. People are going to get injured. Yep. COVID can still be a thing. Yep. And um, you know we're going to have to fight through that. And so much went right in, this, in the Gonzaga game and this game to make it close and to have us win. Exactly. And is it is everything gonna go right like that every time? No, like we we've been shooting so well from three. Yep. Turnovers are a little bit of an issue that can be corrected as usual. But the play calling has been much better than it was last year. Last year, I I was yelling at Izzo every game. What are you doing? What are <laughs> yeah. you doing? This year, I'm like, that's genius. Yes, this is offense is moving. 
you know, the out of bounds play call on both the one where they got them all mixed up at the top of the key and Malik, you know, sunk yep. down and caught it, dunked it. And then again on the one where was it Hogard that threw it to Ake or who threw it to who on the inbound? Um, on the it football was, pass. It was Walker to Hogard back to Walker. Yes. And then Walker to, to Malik. Yep. And then, yeah, the little pump fake made the guy yep. slip and then in. It was so beautiful. But the, everything really went right in these games. And we've shown that we can hang with these teams. But yeah, everything has to go right, I think. Before we talk about football, which has, you know, been doing good a little bit, I just wanted to mention that this basketball team, it's such an Izzo team. Oh, it's, yes. This is what I. This is what I absolutely love about this squad because they're all tough. They're all tough as hell. They play hard as hell. Like Madi and Akins, just watching them out there, just and Kohler getting on the floor too, like you said, just all of these guys just absolutely going after the ball, scrapping for it, and playing smart too. Um, obviously, the turnovers with Izzo's teams are always an issue. And, I mean, you can't expect turnovers with this team, the way how fast they play to not be an issue right now. Um, so we'll see kind of how... They progress with that going forward. But like you said, there's definitely going to be some high and low points. But you can tell with this team that every night they're just going to go at you and give it their all. Yeah, and like you said, the culture of this team, it like I don't think it's been like this since at least the 2019 team when it went to the Final Four. You know, that team was fun. That team was fun. This team exactly. is fun. Whenever I see that bench... Like they're everyone's up. Yep. I like I obviously every state team. You know the bench is why you know they have fun, get the crowd into it. But there, something about watching that game last night. They were they were a, into a, it. up every single possession, and yep. they they were acting as his own in Indianapolis <laughs> last night. So that was it was great. that was awesome. I'm so excited for this team. Yeah. So they'll play Villanova tonight, which will be Villanova. Obviously, hasn't gotten off to their the start they they would want. So this game at home is going to be a very could be a very fun game, so but you don't want to take anything for granted right now. Don't want to go in overconfident. But moving on to the football team, who's been you know after that Michigan game and those guys suspended, they've been playing playing a lot better than basically with a lot of backups defensively and offensively. Um, they've been you know doing a lot better. They beat Rutgers twenty seven to twenty one. They've got Indiana at home um, this weekend again in another noon game. This one is a big one because if they win. They'll be in their, a bowl game officially, and obviously looking forward, you can't take anything. I, I feel like Penn State, if, if you win this game, I feel like Penn State on the road is a winnable game. I, I obviously don't expect to go in there and win because Penn State is a good team, but they're one. it's one of those things where it's like Penn State isn't playing for a playoff or a Big Ten championship, so they're, you're gonna, you can come in, and if you really want it, I feel like you can take it away from them because Penn State is known to not be show up in the biggest games and the biggest moments. But um, going back to the performance against Rutgers, like the running game was solid, um, which is a kind of a first after. They've been okay coming into this game. Um, they started off, obviously, the season very strong and then disappeared and then kind of been picking it up. But this game they had 165 yards between Berger and Broussard in 27 carries and a touchdown. Thorne looked good. Um, again, he was making some solid decisions a lot, especially with the – uh, run options like he was taking it a lot himself and that was it was good to see because it kind of spread out the defense um he had 256 yards and two touchdowns uh the defense was solid especially like their whole defensive line was basically backups besides like Jacob Slade um they had three sacks and Cal Halliday another solid day with 19 tackles um so it was just overall it was a it was a solid performance from a team that you know needed to come out with a win in that game 
the way you just described the team, I think this is how we all expected them to be at the start of the year. Yep. And if you had told me in August that we would be inching to a bowl game, if we even get one at all, I would have been really disappointed. But then if you had asked me early October if we would make a bowl game, I would have exactly. called you crazy because we weren't going to make a bowl game. No. So th- this team has, again, got like basketball might, the, up and down throughout the year. And they've been, fin- you know, seems like they're making a really strong finish to the season, especially after that Michigan game. I don't think anyone expected them to win that Michigan game. And, you know, starting off, you know, it beat Wisconsin, beat Illinois, beat Rutgers on a little bit of a roll. And Indiana should be should be a win. It yeah. should be. We should clinch the bowl this weekend. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, it, it, East Lansing is going to be very disappointed. Yeah, it it doesn't really look good if you come off a loss against Indiana, who's three and seven at home, and then go on the road to play, possibly at this point a top ten team in Penn State. Um, they're obviously like I mentioned that they're not going to be playing for Big Ten championship or um, a playoff appearance or anything like that, but. They're still in the top ten, and that's you know like they want a good bowl game spot. So nothing is guaranteed in that one. Regardless, sports on campus this week has been very exciting. Um, lot going on, lots to keep in track, and I just wanted to say that's about all the time we have today. So thanks again, Carter, for coming on. It's always a pleasure having you on. Absolutely, always a good time. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back next Friday with another edition of Sports Roundtable. I'm Nick Lundberg. Peace out.